Hello and welcome to Back of the Card Sports Trivia Pod, a podcast where you can test your sports trivia knowledge over a variety of sports and topics. My name's Court and I will be your host. Our game will consist of five rounds of six questions covering everything from your basic sports to some unknown sports. Each question is worth one point unless otherwise noted. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok and let us know what your score is. Sorry, it's been a few weeks. Um, my wife and I had a baby, so um, it's been busy dealing with that and the beginning of the school year, everything else like that. So just getting everything into the flow and trying to figure things out, when, where, all that sort of stuff. But we are back this week. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to cover a variety of topics on some questions that I wrote a few weeks ago, but they are still very relevant. So we're going to start off by talking about the ACC this week. So the ACC, when it comes to college football, is a very okay conference. You have Clemson sitting at the very top, and they are a very good team. And then you just kind of have the others that are there that are just kind of fun to watch. And you have some teams like Pitt that might make some impacts this year. But we're going to talk about the ACC. We're going to talk about what to expect this year. We're going to have some questions that pertain to the ACC in general. So let's just get started with question number one. What state is the Clemson University located? Question number two. Georgia Institute of Technology and Virginia Polytechnic Institute and State University are each known as what? Question number three. What independent football team is part of the ACC for almost every other sport? Question number four. Name the last ACC player to win the Heisman as a member of the Louisville team in 2016. Question number five. The ACC has only seen two full-time schools leave the conference since it began. One for the Big Ten and the other for the SEC. Name both schools. And question number six. The ACC has the Research Triangle as part of the conference. What three schools are part of the Research Triangle? I'm going to give you a few seconds of music, try to come up with the answers, and then I will return. All right, so let's get you some answers here on the ACC. Starting with question number one. What state is the Clemson University located? Well, Clemson is located in South Carolina. So yeah, they are one of two schools in South Carolina. Maybe that's why Beamer can't seem to get anyone to come to South Carolina because everyone in South Carolina is going to Clemson. Just a thought. Question two, Georgia Institute of Technology and Virginia Polytech Institute and State Universities are each better known as what? Well, that is Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech. A little bit easier to say Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech if you ask me. Question number three, what independent football team is part of the ACC for almost every other sport that they play? That is the University of Notre Dame. That is what kind of fuels the fact that everyone thinks that when Notre Dame joins a conference, they're going to join the ACC just because the only sport they really have to move over there is football. Everything else is already there. 
Question number four, name the last ACC player to win the Heisman and as a member of the Louisville team in 2016. That is Lamar Jackson. And boy, did he have a great week this week for the Baltimore Ravens. We'll talk probably more about that later on in the show. Question number five, the ACC has only seen two full-time schools leave the conference, one for the Big Ten and the other for the SEC. Name both. Well, we've already mentioned one. The school that left for the SEC was the University of South Carolina. And then the school that left for the Big Ten is the University of Maryland. Big Ten Network wanted that D.C. market, and they got it. Last but not least, the the ACC has the Research Triangle as part of the conference. What three schools are part of the Research Triangle? That is part of the Research Triangle in North Carolina. So you have North Carolina State University, the University of North Carolina, and Duke. That is where the Research Triangle is. A lot of cool things come out from out of there. Plus, it's just a really cool part of the state of North Carolina. All right, let's move on to round number two, our quick hitters. This round is filled with some questions that are quick hitters that have simple answers. Today's category is college football rivalry nicknames. So last time we met, we did Big 12 rivalries where I gave you the name of the rivalry. You had to give me the schools. This time we're going to flip it on its head. I'm going to tell you the schools and then you're going to tell me the nickname of the rivalry. This is not just going to be ACC. This is going to encompass the entire football landscape of college football. So let's get started with question number one. University of Pittsburgh and West Virginia University. Question number two, Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Question number three, University of Utah and BYU. Question number four, University of Georgia and the University of Florida. Question number five, the University of Alabama and Auburn University. And question number six, University of Washington and Washington State University. So a lot of these rivalries are very well known. They're very fun. Some of them, they only play once in a while thanks to conference realignment. And sometimes, you know, they play frequently. So we'll just talk about each one a little bit as we go. So starting at the top, the University of Pittsburgh and West Virginia University. That is the backyard brawl. And this year saw one of the first times that they've played that in a long time. They used to both be part of the Big East. Now, obviously, you got the University of Pittsburgh, part of the ACC, West Virginia, part of the Big 12. It was a really good matchup in Pittsburgh. A lot of fun to watch this year. Question two, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, that is the Egg Bowl. They always play that game around Thanksgiving. Um, Always a lot of fun to watch, a lot of high-scoring games going on there. Next one, the University of Utah and BYU, that is the Holy War. Now, obviously, University of Utah has kind of dominated that one a little bit, but BYU is a very strong program as well, especially this year. Question four, the University of Georgia and the University of Florida, that is the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. They call it, it's on mutual grounds in Jacksonville, Florida. I don't know how you call that mutual grounds when it's in the same state. I feel the same way about the Red River Showdown, being that it is a mutual meeting point between Texas and Oklahoma, but it's still in Texas. This one, it's halfway between the the universities, but it's still technically in Florida, It's but it's a lot of fun. It's You're definitely going to get a high scoring match this year for sure. Next one, University of Alabama and Auburn University. That is the Iron Bowl. Last but not least, you have the University of Washington and Washington State University. That is the Apple Cup. Remember, Washington's known for a few things, and one of them is their variety of apples. So 
definitely that one is aptly named. All right, let's move on to our round three, connections that make contact. This round will have five questions that may or may not be sports related, but the answers do relate to each other in some way through sports. The sixth question will be the connection between the five answers. So let's get started. Question one, Aries is one of the zodiac signs and is represented by what horned animal? Question number two, what is the nine letter word for a pirate. Question number three. Oftentimes, in a Native American tribe, what do they call the person who is the leader of the tribe? Question number four. What seven-letter word is defined as a person who vigorously supports their country? And question number five, what bird is the official bird of the U.S.? And of course, the sixth question is, what is the connection between these answers? I'm going to give you a few seconds, try to come up with the answers and make that connection, then I will return with the answers. All right, let's see if we can make some contact. So question number one, Aries is one of the zodiac signs that is represented by what horned animal? That is a ram. Question two, what is the nine letter word for a pirate? That is a buccaneer. Question three, oftentimes in Native American tribes, what do they call the person who is the leader of the tribe? They call them the chief. Question four, what seven letter word is defined as a person who vigorously supports their country? That is a patriot. And then question number five, what bird is the official bird of the U.S.? That is a bald eagle. Unfortunately, you know, Benjamin Franklin tried to make it the turkey. I feel like the bald eagle just represents us a little bit better. So the five answers today were the Rams, the Buccaneers, the Chiefs, the Patriots, and the Eagles. Well, of course, those are the last five teams to win the Super Bowl in order. So you had the Rams last year, the Bucks the year before that, so on and so forth. So yes, it has been Five years since the Eagles have won the Super Bowl and they have pretty much turned over everyone over there. And they look like a pretty good team this year. The Eagles have put together a pretty good team and looks like they might be a contender. But definitely out of that list, the Patriots are probably the only one that I would not consider at least a strong chance at making the playoffs this year. Potentially a Super Bowl run. The Rams look good. I mean, they are the defending champions. The Buccaneers, they have Tom Brady and a very stout defense. Chiefs look very good. Patriots might have some things to figure out, but, you know, it's Bill Belichick. You can never count them out at all. All right, time for round number four, and I felt like when I wrote this, this would be a little bit more difficult than what it is today, but we're still going to go with it. It should be a lot of fun still, and round four is simply titled, Who is Speaking? So for this round, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you two names, and it's going to be the two names of the main voices for that channel. So... Uh, or they're going to be some sort of voices for a channel. And you're going to name the channel that these two voices are with. So we're going to talk specifically about football broadcasts. We're going to talk about the two voices that you hear when you're watching football. So let's just get started with question number one. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Question number two. 
Question number two, Mike Chirico and Chris Collinsworth. Question number three, Jim Nance and Tony Romo. Question number four, Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson. Question number five, Al Michaels and Kurt Herbstreit. And question number six, Adam Amin and Mark Stink Schlereth. Alright, I'm going to give you a few seconds of music, try to come up with the answers, and then I will return. So you can see how when I wrote these questions like three weeks ago, how much more difficult this one would be. But I have a feeling that every single one of you is going to knock this one out of the park. So let's get started right at the top. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, they are the new voices of Monday Night Football on ESPN. Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth, they are the voices on NBC for Sunday Night Football. Jim Nance and Tony Romo, they are the primary voices for CBS. Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson, they are, as of this season, the voices for Fox. And then Al Michaels and Kurt Herbstreit, they are doing the prime video version of Thursday Night Football. And last but not least, Adam Amin and Mark Stink Schlereth, they are on Fox. Believe it or not, I wrote this question without even knowing it. They had the week one matchup for the Lions, and I, I like Stink. He's a He's a very good voice. I miss him on ESPN, but he's doing a great job as a commentator for Fox. All right, let us move on to our final round of the day, the U.S. Open for tennis. So obviously I wrote these questions a few weeks ago, but you know, it's still fun to end the round on the U.S. Open and talking about one of my favorite events that comes to the U.S. each year. Now, while we may not be able to see Roger Federer playing it again or possibly even Serena Williams ever playing it again, it's still a lot of fun to watch and a lot of history and a lot of cool things have happened on these courts. So let's get started with question number one. What city is the host of the U.S. Open? Question number two, what is the name of the former tennis player that center court is named after at the U.S. Open? Question number three, what is the name of the former tennis player that the entire tennis facility that hosts the U.S. Open is named after? Question number four, what kind of surface is the U.S. Open played on ever since 1978? Question number five, within two years, what year was the first U.S. Open played at the Newport Casino in Newport, Rhode Island? And question number six, what is the name of the musician that the second largest court at the U.S. Open was named after after his passing in 1971? Alright, I'm going to give you a few seconds of music, try to give you some cool information about the U.S. Open, then I will return. 
All right, let's get you some answers here as we wrap up today's podcast with some questions about the U.S. Open for tennis. So question number one, what city hosts the U.S. Open? Well, that is New York City. I would also accept Queens because that is the borough that it's in. It's in Queens, New York. Question two, what is the name of the former tennis player that center court is named after? That is Arthur Ashe. Question number three, what is the entire facility? Who is that named after? That is Billie Jean King. Of course, they kind of go hand in hand. That makes sense. Billie Jean's always hanging around at the U.S. Open, especially for those championships. Question number four, what kind of surface do they play on? They play on hard courts. They've been doing that since 1978. It just seems to make sense. They're a lot easier to maintain, a lot easier to be able to create consistency. So just easier for them to go with the hard courts. Question number five, within two, what was the first year of the U.S. Open? And it was actually played in the Newport Casino in Newport, Rhode Island. Crazy time back then. It was in 1881. So in order to get the point, you had to guess between 1879 and 1883. They kind of moved it a little bit from site to site for a few years there until finally settling in New York. And again, New York just kind of makes sense. When you think of some of these larger tennis tournaments, they're in these large cities. So it just kind of makes sense that it ended up in New York. Last but not least, what is the name of the musician that the second largest court at the U.S. Open is named after? That is Louis Armstrong. So yeah, the second largest court by t- in terms of size of fans that can come and view it is named after Louis Armstrong. All right, but hey. I just want to thank you for tuning in this week. Again, I do apologize for the long layoff. Hopefully we don't have one like that anytime in the future. But, you know, new baby dictates a lot of really interesting and fun things coming up. So I will continue to put this out as as weekly as I can. Make sure you're following us on Apple and make sure if you're following us on Apple that you choose to automatically download. Hey, if Apple isn't your thing, that's okay. Make sure you subscribe everywhere else. Please make sure you leave a five-star review where you can and make sure you're following us on Back of the Card Trivia on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. But hey, my name's Court, the dog's name is Milo, the baby's name is Georgia, and I will see you next time.